Welcome to the Serverless Mindset podcast, where today I am joined by Luigi Zuccarelli, who is a principal software engineer at Red Hat. It is hard to overestimate the impact that he's had um, on my career in terms of his uh, mentorship, as well as uh, just his, his sheer passion and, mm -hmm. and experience. And so I'm very, very excited to have him here today. Thank you, Marco. Gee, it's an honor and a privilege to, to be here. And wow, those are really kind words. Um, you've also impacted my life, so, but we'll talk about that, <laughs> we'll talk about that uh, during yes, because, the podcast. Yeah, because we, we, we've, got, we've got more, more, more links going on than just, than just work. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so, Luigi, why don't you quickly introduce yourself to our audience? Yeah, sure. So basically, um, I'm, as Mark mentioned, I'm a principal software engineer at Red Hat. Um, basically, uh, working for a newly formed team called Customer Focus Engineering, where we look at a specific sort of more client or customer focused problems that are happening in OpenShift. Now, OpenShift is really enterprise Kubernetes. It's sort of, we work on Kubernetes upstream and that's included in OpenShift. And then obviously we add all the Red Hat security and specifics for um, our enterprise clients. And it is working on the core OpenShift. So we look at all the sort of day, day zero, day one operators. So basically all the operators that are used to get OpenShift up and running and uh, our team looks at helping other teams with specific core OpenShift components, operators. Uh, we work extensively with operators SDK um, and building on, on those and making sure that we address uh, specific client and customer requirements. Um, so it's very interesting, very challenging. Uh, we need to know quite a lot of the components in OpenShift. But um, it's really cool, very interesting stuff. That's fantastic. So Luigi, uh, you have a wealth of experience. Um, and so the question I have today, and I might actually just very quickly um, sort of remind everyone of sort of the format of, of this program, which is that I'm gonna ask you uh, a question and then we'll have uh, roughly 10, just over 10 minutes to unpack it together. Sure. So the, the main question I want to ask you today is this. So you are, uh, as I've said, sort of an, a very experienced uh, cloud architect. Uh, and so coming from that perspective and with all the things you've seen, what is your advice for increasing velocity and reducing time to market? Oh, well, that's a, a good question and very challenging one, actually. But... Um... You know, Marco, I think the, 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 the most important thing that I've seen in working on delivering applications in the cloud, and, you know, this goes, I mean, I know you're very focused on AWS serverless, 
And uh, on our side, we're very focused on um, microservices uh, within Linux containers, on Kubernetes, um, on different providers. But at the end of the day, it's the same thing. Uh, we're writing a piece of code that does one thing and one thing specific and does it well. And uh, we need to deploy that in an efficient, effective manner. So for me, uh, my advice is get your foundation right. And by foundation, I mean, so basically like what we've done in, in the past and in previous companies I also worked with is get a, a solid foundation for uh, making sure. So at the end of the day, it's continuous integration, continuous delivery and deployment um, that we're really talking about to increase velocity. Um, but the, the foundation for that is really how do we get to a place where we can um, successfully and uh, with all confidence be able to do this? And I would say it is in a, a really uh, a good design phase. Uh, so what we've Im implemented um, extensively is, I don't know if you've heard of the openpracticelibrary.com. Uh, Open Practice Library has a, a whole set of really cool, interesting tools and artifacts. And we make use of a thing called a Mobius loop. So basically you have a discovery uh, and then options. Uh, so you can basically, it's, it's, a, it's a, like an infinity loop and you can pivot out of the discovery loop into the options, back into discovery or, or into a delivery loop. And uh, in that, what we do is we set all the, the relevant stakeholders. So this is working towards our foundation now. So we set all the relevant stakeholders in a room for, I mean, obviously with COVID was difficult. So we had to do this via collaboration tools and that type of thing. Nevertheless, it can be done. Uh, we have some good collaboration tools out there. I think Miro was one that we used extensively. But basically what we did was run through and say, how do we want the system to look like? What is the target outcome? Things like, you know, starting at the end, saying, okay, I want this these set of microservices uh, to be able to do this. And I know it ties up a lot of people in a meeting for a couple of days, but it is it is so helpful and so powerful in that you've got all the right stakeholders. You've got the architect, you've got the devs, you've got the uh, legal finance actually in the meeting as well. And everyone... What it does is it sets a standard for everyone being stakeholders in the design and development of these services. And you don't have to be technical because what we implement is a thing called DDD, Domain Driven Design. And within that, we use a thing called event storming. I don't know if you've heard of that or if you've used it at all. Actually, it was done by... Uh, a fellow Italian, uh, Brandolini, uh, his name uh, is, uh, uh, I think it's Marco as well, I think, I'm not sure, but anyway, uh, he um, he came up with this ubiquitous language, and by by using, you know, the, the 3M stick, stickers, you know, the post stickers, uh -huh. uh, the color coding and the size of the stickers are very important, because that forms part of the ubiquitous language, so that a dev, an architect, an engineering manager, um, uh, the, the product manager, the, the, the scrum master even, that's all involved in the design. We are talking the same language, a simple language to get the design right. Mm -hmm. But in this 
session, what we do is not only with the, the DDD, the domain-driven design, we lay foundations for our CICD. In other words, what is our pipeline? What is the architecture of the pipeline? How do we use it? How do we implement it? Um, we, we, we involve security at a very, very early stage. So we'll have um, the security team involved as early as possible. Obviously, you need to have a design in place for your set of microservices. But once you've got all those pieces in place, we then discuss how we collaborate, how we, um, you know, how we uh, do our sizing, our definition of done, all these finer, smaller things, but are extremely important for laying down this foundation. Once we've got all this, uh, and we all agree on, um, you know, like we will celebrate our failures because in an agile process, we know things do sometimes fall over and don't work properly. I mean, this is part of this is why we are employed, because things just don't work properly all the time. But anyway, so we've got this foundation. We, 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 we understand how we do our test-driven development, how we're going to automate our tests, our end-to-end tests. All these things are laid down in, in this session. So what we've done now is basically, as a team, agreed on our foundation and how things are going to work. Now we can actually go ahead and do the fleshing out. So we, we say, okay, this microservice will do payments. This microservice will do shipping. You know, that type of thing. I mean, it de- depends on your applications. But the, the, the actual details of the implementation of that is, is even more important. Because now we've got the foundation is how do we actually do... We've got the microservice. We've designed it. We understand... Uh, what its single function is going to be, that it links to a, a database or it links to some other external system. What we do then as a team is make sure that those microservices are small. In other words, okay. it, it is crucial to keep it like three, 400 lines of code, even less. Um, okay. If it goes more than that, we start investigating why, do we, why are we making this more complicated than what it should be. And then we adopt... TDD, and this is where you've had an influence on me. Uh, the book Accelerate um, that you, I think you actually gave it to me for a present some time ago. Uh, I always refer to it. It is a magnificent book. So for anyone listening, get your, get hold of this book Accelerate. It is really outstanding because it talks about the whole yeah. DevOps uh, experience. And so basically, what I, what we what we took out of that is that what they've done is they've done a lot of statistics and they've said for enterprise companies, they went ahead and over four or five years did some really involved statistics on the really good performers and then the really weak performers in the IT industry. And obviously you're looking at, you know, the AWSs, the Googles, the Microsofts at the high end and other companies at the low end. And what they found out with the high-end users is that they they implemented, I mean, one of the main reasons why they were so successful, they implemented a thing called TDD, trunk-driven development. And this is something that I would really, really encourage people to do. In other words, if your microservice, and obviously it, it does vary from how big your team is, but generally a microservice, if it does one thing and does it well, it's it's... Really, um, you shouldn't have 
10 engineers working on it at the same time. You would have maybe one or two. And with a TDD, trunk-driven development, we make sure that uh, we have short-lived branches. So we don't, we don't have long-lived branches. We don't have a feature branch. We keep it very short. And the whole gist here is to merge to master as quick as possible and as often as possible. So this means that we have to have our CRCD pipeline really uh, working well and, and uh, um, implemented, you know, however you, you're doing it on, on whatever platform. And uh, then we have the confidence that as soon as that PR gets merged, it then does the pipeline build, it builds our artifacts. Uh, it, uh, you know, obviously we do linting and uh, into, uh, testing, unit testing. We make sure that our code coverage is more than 80%. That's one of the, um, one of the sort of foundations that we've laid. Uh, okay. We make sure that, um, you know, it passes the quality gates, um, you know, specific quality gates, linting, code style, that type of thing. Um, dead code, uh, code smell. We try and keep all those things down to a minimum. Obviously, do security checks. And then, obviously, at the end, end-to-end test, once all that's done, then for us, because we're in the container world, we'll go ahead, build the container, um, push it into the registry, and that will trigger a pipeline um, uh, build on a UAT environment. And then we have things like Argo CD that then automatically deploys the, the artifact into UAT, does the end-to-end testing. And we are then really confident once end-to-end tests pass that we can push that that change or that fix or the feature into production immediately. And so, I mean, I know this was a whole long story to tell you. Yeah, and there's definitely quite a lot there to unpack, which we won't yeah. have time to go into a whole lot of depth here because the idea is to, you know, just have a brief conversation. But this, I think, was super, super useful. Yeah. Um, I I have probably one or two quick questions. My okay. question is, so knowing, I suppose, a lot of my audience would be primarily startups and small teams. And so one thing that I hear when, you know, when, when we sort of talk about doing th- these kinds of things like, you know, spending a lot of times, uh, a lot of time talking about design, for example, which is something that I'm a big advocate of. Um, yeah, but yeah. then, you know, if you have a small company or a small startup and you sort of, you know, resources are limited and you're trying to get your product to market fast, th- there's always, there's, there's often a lot of, a bit of hesitation around that. So what would you say to, you know, a small team or a startup that has a few resources, really, and maybe even... It's even lacking maybe the internal know-how. So, you know, a lot of the things that we just talked about, uh, DDD, uh, trunk-driven development, um, mm-hmm. you know, how to, how to build a proper CICD pipeline. Uh, maybe sometimes you have a, a small team that doesn't even have the internal know-how for uh, all of these things. What would you say to uh, somebody in that position, which is, again, you know, sort of different from maybe a major enterprise that has internally these kinds of resources, right? Yeah. Uh, also, a good question. Um, I would still say spend time in your design. Spend a lot of time in the design and uh, find a way of quickly building um, an, an automation or some form of pipeline to automate as much as possible. I, I know, and it, it does, like you're right, because actually 
time to market is it's crucial in the industry we're in. We have to get things time to in in a in a, in a quick time in, to 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 market, you know, and make sure that it's working working well. But spending an extra week or two weeks or three weeks, however long it takes, to build a rudimentary pipeline to automate some of these um, tasks, I think is it's. It's absolutely important. It doesn't have to be the most perfect, but as long as it, it fulfills your 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 functionality to get something deployed onto AWS or onto uh, in a Kubernetes cluster, whatever it might be, it's still worthwhile spending time automating as much as possible and spending time in the initial design as well, involving as many people as you can. Because I think the more people in a in a design session or in a in any type of session, you get lots of great uh, aspects and inputs from various people. Okay. Um, we have a philosophy, best idea wins. So nice. if you, if like you can adopt that, it doesn't matter if it comes from maybe the tea lady is coming past and she sees something on the board and says, oh, that might work better. And it's a good idea. Use it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And um, <laughs> last, last question for you you talked about microservices and i loved that idea of you know if 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 it seems like this microservice is getting too big something's wrong start again kind of thing yeah um, and you mentioned one rule of thumb would be the 3 to 400 lines of code which makes sense is there any other rule, rules of thumbs that that you would be using when you look at a microservice to understand you know this is getting too big yeah uh, um yeah for example we had a um, we had a, a, you know, the previous company I worked at, they had a, a, a really big monolith that they wanted to break up and we were working out how you break it into smaller microservices. And the one functionality you couldn't, it was so tightly integrated. And they said, so how are you going to break these three things up? There were three minor, uh, uh, three in the monolith, there were three subsystems that were very, very tightly integrated. I said, well, Go ahead, keep it as one microservice. Yes, we know it's going to be bloated. So there's an exception there. So it's going to be doing three major things. And then we can look at a later stage to refactor that. But because it was critical to get this thing into, into a microservice and the time to market was uh, uh, fairly important, break it up uh, into that. Worry about the breaking down of that microservice further. So... Um, I mean, we just used like three, four hundred lines of code as a as, as a as a rule. It's not a hard hardened rule. Um, so be flexible. Be um, I mean, it's it, it, just use logic at the end of the day. I mean, I yeah. know it sounds very simple, but yeah, if you have to if you have to make it a bit more complex than what it is, then do that. But just make sure that you've understood and the people involved or the architects and the the engineers and the um, other developers understand what has been done. And then at, at the end of the day, Marco, everything's compromise. There is going to be compromise in, yeah. in what we do. So yeah. you, you be flexible, be, uh, understand the compromise. And as well as, and, and I think the other thing is that it's well known and well documented. Then you should be good. That's a good point. Yeah, that, yeah. that makes a lot of sense. And there's, there's this common saying, I think it originated from Neil Ford. Um, I think, which is, you know, our software architecture is, is all about trade-offs. So it's never about, there's never such a thing yeah. as perfect architecture, but find what, 
what's the trade-off that works for you so exactly. i i like that idea um of mm -hmm. you know find the best compromise as well luigi this has been super super interesting and helpful and as always we could be we could go on for <laughs> yeah the next couple of days here um <laughs> with no end in sight yeah. but um yeah th that was great how can people uh connect with you oh well i'm um i'm on on github so uh, i have a, a, a repo luigi zuccarelli um at github uh, on github um so it's very simple and uh anyone's welcome to reach out obviously those are my private those are my private private repo and the red hat ones uh we can we can talk about once people contact me and we could um, then, then let them swallow the red hat pull, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. yeah. Um, yes, that's that's great, Luigi. Thank you so much again uh, for your time, and we'll talk soon. Cool. Thanks, Marco. Thanks for having me on.